It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 287, John the Baptist and the Questions of Our Calling. Welcome back, listeners, to the Message to Kings podcast. Hello from Charlotte, North Carolina, and a long summer. Uh, We moved cross-country from Seattle, Washington, all the way to Charlotte, North Carolina. So please reach out if uh, any of you listeners are out there uh, at messagetokings at gmail.com. If you live anywhere nearby, we can discuss Jesus, the Bible, history, uh, over coffee or anything. So let's connect. All right, here we are. Uh, we are going to um, get back to our every two-week program. It, you know, it might be three weeks if there's some travel involved. Um, of course, there'll be a break for Thanksgiving and Christmas. But generally speaking, uh, we'll get back to a regular routine uh, releasing these podcasts. So on with the ministry of Jesus. And I love this time of the podcast. It's all about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. All during the ministry of Jesus, this ministry time of Jesus, John the Baptist was struggling in a prison cell. Mark 6, 19. Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested, and he had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, It is lawful, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. But she was not able to, because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. And when Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. I find it interesting. I mean, right, this is Message to King's podcast. I find it interesting that this king actually liked to listen to John the Baptist. And I find people like to hear the truth. Though they necessarily don't want to heed it, they like the truth. There was probably a yearning heart in this king. I mean, there's an empty spot, according to Ecclesiastes, in everyone's heart. While the spirit pulled at the king. I mean, God wants everyone to be saved. But the message of repentance was too much for this relative of Herod the Great. It was completely contrary to everything he believed. Kings do not repent, nor do kings have mercy. Not in his world. Now, if you read Proverbs, it's clear that a good king has mercy right? A a good king can love God. A good king can repent. A good king um, can be kind to others and give to the poor, but not this this relative of Herod the Great. This whole line is, is wicked and corrupt. According to them, kings rule by power and greed, not meekness. The reason for John's imprisonment was his convicting words of Herod because the king had married his sister-in-law Herodias. All right, everyone knows this is disgusting, this is wrong, but Herod was the king. The issue was his sister-in-law was a classic Jezebel-type character, which we'll cover later. She even wanted to kill him. I mean, she's a horrible woman. She'll even use a, a, you know, a young girl to uh, try to get her way with the king. Uh, She'll even connive later to seduce the king with another, not even herself, and manipulate him to get John killed. I mean, she hated John the Baptist. And this is the case with John in prison. It's it's strange. It's it's an unusual case that the king actually liked him. 
at least as much as he could, and the queen despised him. This wicked king, uh, this wicked woman, probably somehow caused um, him to be tortured. This is John the Baptist. So the woman probably somehow got John the Baptist to be tortured behind the king's back, while the king at the same time gave some autonomy to John, where his disciples were allowed to visit him. So we're seeing most likely God's prophet being beaten often, yet he has the audience of the king. He's struggling with his purpose and his fate. Yes, even John the Baptist struggled with his faith. And he sent some of his messengers, his disciples, to inquire of Jesus. John the Baptist, the wild prophet in the wilderness, who ate like wild beast of the field, actually has doubt here in the prison cell. His disciples are sent away to ask Jesus a question, and they happen to come upon him during a miracle service of sorts. I mean, I imagine these disciples have to go through masses of people. I mean, Jesus is going to be multiplying bread because there's thousands and thousands of people. And I mean, these disciples show up and it's like a miracle service is going on with thousands of people. And they've got to imagine the biggest church you could think of. And you got to, and everyone, they're, they're in the, there's no one, you know, there's no aisles. It's all completely blocked. And, and Jesus is at the front. He's ministering to people and healings and miracle signs and wonders are happening. And these guys have to work their way through the crowd. And in the process, they're hearing testimony after testimony. Luke 7, 20, when the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to ask, to ask of you, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? I mean, it's like they really needed to ask that question, right? After what they just went through to get to him. At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind. So we replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who is not offended because of me. I mean, check it out. While the disciples of John are trying to get to Jesus through the crowd, they see healings, deliverances, the blind seeing, the paralyzed walking, leprosies are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news was preached. It says at that very time. Basically, the miracles should speak for themselves, right? No more words are needed. Then the disciples start to leave, and Jesus continues as they walk out. I mean, he goes way beyond answering their question, but instead he speaks of John the Baptist, compounding on his purpose and achievement and his identity. John needed to hear it, especially for what will happen to him next. We'll tackle that final statement, the one about not being offended. Blessed is anyone who is not offended by me. At the end of the podcast, Luke seven twenty four. as they departed, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind. If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury are in palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you. And more than a prophet. This is the one by whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. 
Here, Jesus makes it clear, clear, clear that John the Baptist was the Elijah to come spoken by the prophet Malachi. Any questions? There can't be any. Jesus made it clear. John was the Elijah to come. This is the mystery of prophecy. It's hidden in plain sight, but never as clear until later when you when it just seems so obvious when you look back in time. That's the 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 all-knowing part of God that he can be above time and space. There was hundreds of prophecy scholars at the time of Jesus, but none of them could have predicted how the Messiah was going to come. Now think about it. There is thousands and thousands of prophecy scholars, but Jesus always surprises. Imagine the best you can, the end of the world for the book of Revelation, God will still surprise you. 10 times over, I mean, 1,000 times over. It's the mystery of fulfilling prophecy. Never how you imagine it. But then again, he always does things more than we think or imagine, right? He's always doing more, more than we, our minds can even fathom. Next, Jesus makes some radical statements about John. We flip from the NIV to the New King James for this next section here. Just because it's better, <laughs> put it that way. Matthew eleven eleven. Surely I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to receive it, he is the Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. There's something here that marvels me. Jesus himself said there was not one born greater than John the Baptist. Let's just say in many ways, John the Baptist was the completion of the Old Testament. Perhaps we can say he was the last of the Old Testament prophets. The last one, save the best for last, prophet to speak of the coming Jesus. He was the last herald of the coming king, and he will be the last to suffer like the previous prophets, facing persecution to the very end. And the kingdom suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. This is the case. The violent will wreck the kingdom of heaven on earth. The violent will take Jesus to the grave. This will be their way, and the violent will be successful in their own eyes. They will take the body of Jesus. They will beat him. They will destroy him to achieve their means. The violent will take it by force, but unknown to them and beyond their understanding to them, the violence will come down upon their own heads. Psalm seven fourteen. Behold, the wicked brings forth inequity. Yet he achieves trouble and brings forth falsehood. He made a pit and dug it out, and has fallen into the ditch which he has made. His trouble shall return upon his own head, and his violent dealing shall come down on his own crown. And Jesus will reclaim the keys surrendered by Adam and apply his heel to the devil's head after the cross. So back to the Luke version of this scene. Luke seven twenty nine, All the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and the experts in the law rejected God's purposes for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. 
I mean, this is super, super interesting. And it says the people who were baptized by John understood the ways of God. But those who refused John's baptism rejected God's purpose for themselves. There's an order to God's ways. It's not formulaic as the, you know, for the thief on the cross wasn't baptized, but he made it to heaven, right? But you should be baptized. We should all get baptized. You become a Christian, you get baptized. In turn, God opens our heart to understand him more. It's a cause and effect. That's what Jesus is actually saying here. It's a blessing as a response to obedience. God says to repent and be baptized. We get baptized, and in turn, he allows our heart and our mind to be open to knowing his ways and his heart. In this case, those baptized by John knew and accepted God's way and that he was supreme, and they knew what was right. Put it this way. They became more righteous by submitting and obeying to the righteous one, Jesus and his ways. So what does that have to do today? (laughs) I mean, really... Get baptized if you haven't. Get baptized even if you were baptized as an infant. No one was ever baptized as an infant. I'm sorry, in the Bible. It's not God's order of things. No one was baptized as an infant in the Bible. It's not God's order. If you got baptized as an infant, that's not the biblical order of things. Do things His way so you don't reject God's purpose for yourself. Baptism is a mature decision as an adult to be submitted to the ways of God. And if you don't get baptized, well, you're rejecting an order to things that God established. And the reward of following his order is to understand him and to know him and know his ways. But if you don't do things in his order, according to this scripture, at least in this case, maybe it applies to you today, that you won't be able to understand his ways. It'll be harder for you to walk in righteousness than others because you aren't doing it his way. And he won't open up his heart and mind to you because you're not obeying the first steps. It's a step-by-step process, and we need to be obedient in every step. One of the first steps, repentance. The second is baptism. Don't be negligent in one of the first steps as a Christian. Luke 7.31, Jesus went on to say, To what then can I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? They're like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to each other. We played the pipe for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not cry. For John the Baptist came neither eating or drinking wine, and you said he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say, Here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom is proved right by her children. Jesus (laughs) just has a little fun here. He pulls from a common fable or tune at the time and works it into conversation like a master communicator. That's what he is. He's Jesus, the master communicator. The point here is that John the Baptist preached a dirge, an intense repentance message. Now Jesus plays a tune and he works miracles and he waits for the world to accept his salvation with joy, but both were rejected by the powers that be. One was told he had a demon, the other a drunkard, but wisdom is proved right by her children. And there will be billions of Christians one day. And they will be called, according to Romans, the sons of God. And those are Jesus' children, and wisdom will be proved right. 
Let's conclude this episode with a look at John the Baptist. He faced a moment, and we have to understand this. Um, He sent his disciples to ask if Jesus was really the one. Of course he was. He called him the Lamb of God, but months and months in prison led him into despair, most likely in a form of depression. And what prophet hasn't gone through despair at some point? Elijah seemed to go temporarily mad. David was depressed a ton of the time. Jeremiah almost seemed suicidal at a moment. It's a hard life going against culture. But each of these examples strengthened themselves in the Lord. This is actually what John did here. He sent a message to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, to be strengthened. Strengthening him for the days to come. He did what was right. He had doubts. That's not sin, to have a doubt. You should always have faith um, and, and belief, but perhaps there's a, a doubt of your, your calling, right? So John the Baptist is doubting, did he do the right thing? He doubted, did Jesus really the one? Um, and he went to Jesus to ask. So if you think about that, if you have doubts and of, of this or that, where do you go? Jesus. He did what was right, and he went to Jesus. Should he have had doubt in this case? No, because he had it, a firm belief in his heart at the time. But it's all of the, um, the most likely the beatings um, or the imprisonment, um, the awful you know, mental torture the prison probably put him through, that caused him to lose a bit of his faith, and he had to go back to Jesus to get it. And you have to believe when those messengers came back, he was filled with awe when he heard the stories of what Jesus is doing. Luke 7, 23, Blessed is anyone who's not offended by me. It's not ours to know our true destiny in this life. Jesus dictates it. We are but a flick of dust on this earth. We are like David's drink offering, the one he poured out. He so desired a drink from the well in his hometown that his men risked their lives to retrieve some water for him. And when David, when received it, he poured it out as a drink offering to the Lord, that no man should risk their lives for me to have this water. But we are like this offering, like the dust of the earth. We are one of billions on this planet, and that we have any value in God's sight is astounding. One in billions of believers throughout time. How can we make any difference? Being in North Carolina now, we visited Biltmore Mansion, which is the largest private residence in America. It's got 175,000 square feet, 250 rooms, and four acres of living space. It's crazy. It's huge. I was awestruck by the architecture and the grandeur. And then I recalled Jesus' statement, John 14, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. This is part of the reward of living a life of obedience. There are rewards in heaven, and we cannot deny this from Scripture. If God created the world in six days, how much more magnificent will heaven be? Think about the architecture, the, the grandeur, the, the streets of gold, the trees of life, the eternal sunrises and sunsets. 
But if I'm just a word, a flick of dust, a drink offering, why do I matter? Because everything we do here on earth matters. What you do matters to God, everything. This life, this test of faith, impacts eternity in the spirit in ways we cannot fathom or understand. Everything you do, every smile, every gift, every word, every letter, every message, every act of kindness is the kingdom of heaven coming through you. It's not for us to judge the fate of John the Baptist. It's not even for him to do that. He was the greatest of the Old Testament prophets, though he didn't work a single miracle. It's not for us to judge the fate of the apostles. They are like those doomed to die. Our place is a place of obedience. And we own our walk and must be responsible in all things, in our obedience and everything God has called us to do. In the words of Jesus, blessed is anyone who is not offended by me. They were this drink offering. John the Baptist said he must go lower so that Jesus could go higher. He was a sprinkle of dust and so am I, so is he. In this short span of eternity, We should learn from John's example and be obedient, strengthening ourselves in the Lord and live a life of faith to the fullest. For from heaven's perspective, we are cheered on and on and on. And and in this test of faith, be faithful. For this short life, we are but a sprinkle of dust, a drink offering that pleases the greatest of kings for all eternity. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Message to Kings. Check out the website, messagetokings.com, or feel free to connect with us at messagetokings at gmail.com.